Hello and welcome to the podcast, Are We Nearly There Yet? My name's Professor Andrew Sherry and I'm interested in people's journeys to discover who they are and what they're made to do. We can all learn something from other people's stories, so join me on another adventure. I just wish I could go back and tell myself to have a bit more fun. Today I'm talking to Sarah Lynn Thomas. Sarah Lynn is a senior consultant for nuclear safety, working for Abbott Risk Consultancy, or ARC, in Newbury. And she's also vice chair of the Nuclear Institute's Young Generation Network, looking after international liaison. And that includes working on COP26. She lives just outside of Oxford, and in her free time, she likes to bake and share the cakes that she's baked. Welcome, Sarah Lynn. It's great to see you. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Really excited to be here. So let's take you back to South Wales, where you grew up. Tell us a little bit about what family life was like and what you were like as a as a youngster. Uh, right. So, yeah, uh, I lived in a tiny little village in South Wales, uh, the type of place where everyone knows everything about you and everyone else. Um, and uh, I, I absolutely loved school. Um, I was that kid that never wanted a day off. Um, I, you know, I was held back from going to school sometimes if I was ill um my my mother would uh would try and ration with me that I was too ill to go to school uh I would I loved getting involved in extracurricular stuff so I was part of the school choir being Welsh we all sing it is true uh a chemistry club I was yearbook editor uh one of my one of my favorite stories uh that I think represents it quite well is I once got in trouble with my mother for taking an extracurricular GCSE in Russian during my A-levels, bearing in mind I was doing four A-levels at the time, uh, without telling her uh, because she was worried I was taking on too much work. Um, She soon found out about it during a really awkward parents' evening when when my teacher came up to me and said that we should uh, find some time to talk about my progress in Russian. And uh, that was the end of my Russian GCSE. <laughs> uh, I dropped that quite soon after. Um, so I was the definition of the school swap, essentially. Uh, you took me away from it. Um, so tell us about, as you, as you went through school, presumably you started to realise what you particularly enjoyed, uh, maybe some of the subjects that you didn't enjoy so much, or maybe the subject like Russian, which was one step too far, possibly. So how did that sort of selection of where you were going to focus go? So it was very hard for me um, because I was so into school. I basically liked everything. Uh, the one subject I didn't like was actually Welsh, even though it was my first language. Um, I was awful at it. And now I'm, I'm terrible at speaking Welsh now. Um, but there was, there was a wide range of um, subjects I could have really uh, followed to GCSE and then to A-level. 
Uh, at one point, I really felt like I was probably going to go um, study French at A-level. Uh, I felt like, you know, I really loved French, but I came to the conclusion that I could always learn French and have it as a hobby would then be a supplementary skill to uh, to a career, um, to, a, to a job in science, for instance. Um, so I settled on doing my A-levels in chemistry, physics, geology, and maths. Um, and when it came to, again, when it came to uh, figuring out what to do at university, um, it, it was a struggle. So it was, it was a, it was chemistry, physics, or geology. I would have happily done a degree in either of those subjects. Um, geology was probably the subject I enjoyed the most. I loved it. Um, that probably has to do has a lot to do with my teacher and my classmates at the time. Um, but I wasn't really aware of the sort of career prospects for me in geology. So I, um, I, I ended up uh, not pursuing that any further. Um, but I think I really underestimated how important that enjoyment aspect is to it. Um, so, you know, who knows, looking back, I, I might have done differently. Uh, I've also come across so many roles since that geology is actually a really sought after skill. I know, it's, 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 it's such a shame at school that you just sort of don't see all the career options open to you. It sounds like you had that sort of, where might I get a job in your head when you were sort of thinking about things and the transition into university, but you don't know the breadth of what's out there, do you? I, th I think it's really hard because you don't know where what you want to do when you're that young, but you know, I think teachers and uh, your family sometimes try to downplay how important these um, these decisions are in the long run. But I was, you know, it was very important to me to make sure I was making the right choice. So, you look forward and you did do your physics at Bristol. Was there anything particular about Bristol that that attracted you to that city? <laughs> um, so I feel like I'm talking about my mother a lot in this uh, in this podcast, but it was. Uh, my mother didn't want me to go too far, uh, but I wanted to go far enough, <laughs> far enough away from home. And Bristol was uh, the good compromise. It was just, just over the road, really, um, in terms of uh, coming into England. And um, I just, I love the city. Um, it's, it's so vibrant. There's always something going on. And did you enjoy the physics? Were there particular aspects of the physics which caught your imagination that you thought, oh, I wonder if there's a career in this? So physics was an interesting one at the end of the day for me. Like I said, I chose it because I think I performed better in it. But it comes down to that enjoyment aspect of it. So I really struggled at university. I, it was a bit of a knock of confidence for me because I'd always done well at school. I'd always really loved it. And um, although I'm not particularly bright, I, I am not the intelligent person, but I, I put in the time. I've never been uh, afraid of hard work. And it just got to the point where that didn't feel like enough uh, to university. I, I felt like I was working overtime to catch up 
and be on the same level as everyone else around me. Um, and I don't know if that's part of, you know, the enjoyment bit because maybe I'd chosen the wrong degree. Um, but it just, I tried to compare it to the points, the, the part of my degree that I did do well at. So that was, um, you know, the stuff that were more, that was more nuclear focused. Um, I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but my, my master's degree was all focused on nuclear and I had the time of my life on that degree and uh, I got a first without feeling like I had to give myself over to the degree. So originally I was supposed to do a four-year uh, four master for physics and uh, by, the, by the end of my second year I had to drop down to a bachelor's because I wasn't getting the right grades. Um, that then gave me the opportunity to do my uh, dissertation, which um, I wouldn't have had that opportunity otherwise if I was on the master's project. And that dissertation was called Nuclear Power Throughout the World. And I thought, well, I enjoyed learning about nuclear when I was in my second year. This might be worth doing. And um, I ended up combining my passion of geology with nuclear and uh, did my dissertation all on geological disposal. I remember, I remember doing my uh, dissertation interview then with my supervisor and my examiner, and they knew nothing about it. And uh, I was the one teaching them about um, geological disposal, and uh, I got top marks in it. That really brought up my average. <laughs> I think that is absolutely fantastic because we go through these moments in our, you know, education journey or in a, in our careers when you you find yourself in a place that is just hard, and sometimes you know sometimes you need to just get down and just get through it. Other times you need to make a choice or you're given given a choice, but often that choice can take you down a path which is actually better for you than what you'd originally thought. And it's, it's hard at the time, but looking back, I think you can, it, well, you know, in, in what your career's turned out, what a fantastic thing to happen in retrospect. But at the time, I can imagine it was quite hard for you. Definitely. I, I am quite confident in saying that I am where I'm supposed to be now. Um, I didn't know that a couple of years back, uh, but now if I reflect now, and look back at all the all the things that interested interested me when I was younger. It makes complete sense. Uh, I was always interested in climate change. I remember uh, writing a speech when I was about thirteen in school. It was a speech in Welsh. I can't imagine doing that again. Uh, and it was all about wind turbines. Um, so I, I did a speech on wind turbines because I was I was passionate about climate change. I remember learning about nuclear in physics and really enjoyed learning about that. And it was just, you know, bringing those two passions together, the climate change aspect. And then, you know, the fact that I found the physics behind nuclear so interesting and fascinating. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And sometimes I wonder whether the, the sort of detailed choices we make, like the degree we do, it is important, but it, but in the longer term, it becomes less important because you do find your way to the right place for you, which you, you obviously have done, which is really great. So um, 
just sort of take you forward. So you did your, your master's, as you said, in, in, in nuclear at Manchester. That involved some uh, a secondment to the National Nuclear Lab up in Cumbria, which must have been an interesting experience uh, from Bristol, Manchester, then into Cumbria. Uh, uh, so not a city at all, uh, quite, quite the opposite. How did you find that sort of transition into rural life? But I guess it was a little bit like going back to South Wales in a strange sort of way for you, is it? A bit, yeah. Um, I love Cumbria. Um, it, it does feel like home when I'm there. And um, if anything, I was quite, um, I wish I could do it again to some respects because I had, um, not that this is a bad thing, but I'd built up a really good circle of friends from, from my degrees. And then I went to Cumbria alone and found that most of my weekends I spent traveling back down south to see my friends and it was it was only in that last month of my three months of convent that I thought I haven't seen enough of Cumbria it's it's beautiful and uh, I remember um, driving all around the lakes. Um, I'd go to Keswick to to, to do water and just spending uh, some time alone and walking around. Um, it, it was lovely, and I just wish I'd had that realization a little bit earlier on and really took advantage of being in such a beautiful place. Because it's the same respect. It's the same with Wales. Um, I I've never really thought of Wales as beautiful until I left it. <laughs> Now, you know, now I'm trying to find the opportunity to go back and and go into these lovely mountains and hike and see all these all these um, sort of geological sort of environments and all that sort of stuff. And there's there's not enough time. Uh, I wish I'd, I wish I'd appreciated it, appreciated it more back then. Isn't it interesting? So um, after your time at at, at uh... The University and the National Nuclear Laboratory, you took on a role in Arano in nuclear safety. So what aspects were you actually working on? What were the areas of, of nuclear that you were looking at the safety aspects for? So being, uh, being a consultancy and being safety itself, it gives you the opportunity to work on so many different types of things. Uh, so safety case is just as important in as it in as it is in new build, as it is to decommissioning, to waste management. It covers so many uh, angles of the industry. So I ended up getting involved in um, waste management a lot when I first started. I was uh, involved in uh, the letter of compliance process for RWM. So. I would do operational safety assessments. I did a few waste form evaluations to look at the evolution of a waste package and uh, the safety uh, aspects of that. Um, I did a lot of work um, while I was at Arena working for G Healthcare on delicensing. So G Healthcare have um, a site in Amersham which is quite close to London. They did have a site in Cardiff and um, they have now delicensed their Cardiff site uh, because they stopped manufacturing a few years ago and they're going through a similar process in Amersham currently um, where they're pulling manufacturing operations back to the, to the back of the site. 
and uh, delicing the front of it. Um, and I, I did a lot of work in something called data quality, uh, data quality objectives. And it's all about looking at the, um, the criteria from the ONR in order to be deemed uh, sort of there is no danger and it can be, uh, it can be deregulated and looking at the uh, environmental permit and stuff like that for, uh, for the EA, from the EA perspective. Um, so that was a lot of what I did at the time, which isn't quite so safety related, but then it just shows you the breadth of things you can do while working for a consultancy. There's a lot of things. That's, that's the really great thing about, about starting in the consultancy is uh, if you're very indecisive like I am and you don't really know what you want to do, it is open. <laughs> it does, but I guess also it stretches you because you might get a particular project in a particular area that you might think, I know nothing about this. I've never worked in this area before. So how do you sort of face that sort of always like stepping outside your comfort zone into something new? I'm going through it right now, Andrew. I've Are you? <laughs> been talking about this quite a bit recently because... Um, yeah, you, I think you start a project, um, you have this initial uh, learning curve and you eventually get over the learning curve and you do really well at it and then you start all over again. So I'm at the start of a new project and I'm very much, um, you know, getting a little bit, a little bit of imposter syndrome probably now thinking I can't do this. I don't know enough about this. And I know that I've done, I've been in this position so many times over my, the last five years working in consultancy. I know it will happen. And I know that, you know, pro, this project that I've started now is new to me, but then uh, everyone else that's working on the project, they've been working on it for years and years. So of course they know what they're doing. They've had that time. Um, so it's a bit, it, it's a steep learning curve every, every time, which can be frustrating, but I just need, I keep telling myself that I've done it before and I can do it again. Yeah, I think, I think it's right. That, that's, that can give you confidence, but I think those, those sort of feelings of imposter syndrome or fear or what, whatever it is for you, you're never the only person who feels like that. Everybody feels like that to a greater or lesser extent. And actually, I would be more worried if you didn't feel like that. You know, it means you're taking it seriously and you realise there's some work you're going to have to put in. But as you say, also, there's usually people around you who you can ask questions of, who can share their knowledge and, and help. And people generally are very keen to help and support others, aren't they? Definitely. And it's just about taking that step to ask for help. So I was, uh, because I struggled at university, I think that was one of the reasons I struggled because I was scared to ask for help. And I just sort of stood uh, alone, sort of trying to get through things myself. And although it's something that I still struggle with, I'm, I make a conscious effort now to go out beyond my sphere and my comfort zone and ask for that help. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's really good advice for other people going through that. So um, a couple of years ago or so, you moved on from Arano to ARC, uh, Abbott Risk Consulting. Was there a particular reason or did you want to broaden or get experience in a different company? What sort of prompted that move? So it was um, two things, really. I It was a good time to move on. 
Um, I'd been with the same company for four, four and a half years. It was my first job. I think it's just a natural time to, to move on. And um, uh, one other reason was I had made the uh, decision that safety is what I wanted to do. And uh, ARC are very well renowned for their sort of safety expertise. And I just felt like I could open up uh, more doors to not specialize too much, but start going in that general direction. Um, and then third, actually, I forgot, uh, one of the really key things that, um, that attracted to me, uh, me to ARC, and we might sort of uh, start talking about soon, is um, they're very supportive of the YGN. Um, incredibly supportive of the YGN and uh, that was a really big draw for me. That's really interesting so we were saying before we love the YGN don't we the, yes, the passion we the enthusiasm and the energy that that just comes out from that group of people together in any meeting or any context is contagious I think so tell us about the YGN why should people be involved in the YGN do you think? So um for those listening that don't know, the YGN is the Young Members Branch of the Nuker Institute, uh, the Nuker Institute being the professional membership body for the UK nuclear sector. And uh, it's, it's the Young Members Branch for people under the age of 37. And our mission is to develop and inspire early career nuclear professionals and make sure that their voice is heard in shaping the future of our sector. And it's, it's a great way to meet people. Um, you know, the networking opportunities, although COVID has, uh, has been a little bit more difficult to do that, I, it's, the, the nuclear industry is such a small industry and I have met so many people through the YGN that have come up in my normal day job here and there. It's such a great way to meet people and it's, um, it's a really good way of keeping track of what's going on in the industry. So, like I said, I, I work in safety. That could be waste management. That could be new build. Uh, but the YGN, for those, that, those people that are more set in their roles, so someone working in waste management, for instance, the YGN provides so many opportunities to learn more about the sector outside of their own bubble. Um, so we've got our Intro 2 seminars, so Intro 2 Waste Management, Decommissioning, New Build. It's, it's just that sort of knowledge, um, management and transfer. You, you get to learn so much about this industry through the YGN. Um, and the most important thing from a volunteering aspect we always need volunteers. So if anyone ever wants to get involved, the most important thing for me is I love everyone that I work with. Uh, some, of the, some of my best memories over the last five years are from the YGN, whether it's um, really productive meetings, uh, really, um, really uh, great relationships, or you know, when we finally get together and see each other at the, at the annual seminar and dinner, I've, I've made friendships and relationships for life, which uh, I find is very valuable for me in this industry. And I know it'll save me for years to come. 
absolutely right and um if people want to get involved if they go on the nuclear institute website search for ygn or something like that young generation network they'll find it and they can connect can't they yeah definitely we've got we've got all the social medias and then we've got the chair email address uh chair.ygn at nuclearinst.com um so yeah there's always something that um people can get involved in fantastic so sarah i'm going to take you back to um growing up in in south wales in the village there and i'm just thinking if there was one piece of advice you could give your younger self what do you think it would be i i think not to not to repeat myself or repeat something else that someone else said it is that thing about asking questions um you know don't be afraid to do it um just because you're asking a question does not uh have any sort of negative sense on your capability to to do your role um and actually what what i would say is most important is because i was um so because i had a hard time at university and i had to, i felt like i had to work so much i feel like i sacrificed some of the good parts of university um, you know, I have great memories of uh, crazy nights out and stuff like that, but I feel like I could have done more. Um, you know, I was that person in school that was really into extracurriculars. I never joined a society when I was at university. I, I had a very small bubble of friends. We'd work together constantly in our flat. I just wish I could go back and tell myself to have a bit more fun. Have a bit more fun. Uh, that that is great advice. But even in a career which can be all-consuming, so even from now on, to keep reminding yourself and and anybody listening, it's about balance as well. It's about doing a great job and making a great contribution. But it's also about the rest of your life, isn't it? And what you yeah. do with it. Definitely. Great, Sarah Lynn. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon. It's been lovely to see you and chat. Thank you, Andrew. enjoyed this podcast to help others enjoy it too please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and don't forget to rate and review thank you